Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of the internet, I am Jonah O'Connor. You are my listeners, and this is The Jonah O Show. Um, in today's episode, guys, we're going to be talking about a lot. We're going to be talking about uh, some news, some current events, some sports, some movies. We're going to be playing some music. We're going to be hanging out. So without further ado, guys, we always like to start the show off with some music. So here is uh, Mercy. It's an acoustic version by Sean Mendez, so I hope you guys enjoy. So, ladies and gentlemen, our top story tonight is that U.S. Senator Elizabeth Warren, who is running for the Democratic presidential nomination, is uh, calling for Trump's impeachment uh, following the Mueller report. And the article is from Global News, and it reads as follows. U.S. Senator Elizabeth Warren, who is running for the Democratic presidential nomination on Friday, said Congress should begin the process of removing President Donald Trump from the office over findings in U.S. Special Counsel Robert Mueller's report. The severity of this misconduct demands that elected officials in both parties set aside political considerations and do 
their constitutional duty, Warren said on Twitter. That means the House should initiate impeachment processings against the President of the United States. The article goes on to read that Warren is the first of the major contenders for the Democratic presidential nomination to call for impeachment a day after the release of Mueller's report on Russian meddling in the 2016 election. Mueller did not establish that Trump campaign coordinated with Russia, but did find multiple acts by the president that were capable of exerting undue influence over law enforcement investigations. While Mueller ultimately decided not to charge Trump with a crime such as obstruction of justice, he also said that in the investigation it did not exonerate the President of the United States. Warren, a senator from Massachusetts, said to ignore the President's repeated efforts to obstruct an investigation into his own disloyal behavior would inflict great and lasting damage on this country. Other Democratic leaders have played down talk of impeachment of Trump just 18 months before the 2020 presidential election. Trump's lawyers said in a statement, results of the investigation are a total victory for the president and that it is clear there was no criminal wrongdoing. In other news, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Biden is expected to launch his 2020 presidential campaign next week. This article is uh, courtesy of the staff at the Associated Press uh, by way of Go Global News, excuse me, um, and the article reads as follows. Former Vice President Joe Biden is expected to join the crowded 2020 Democratic presidential field next week. The decision answers one of the most significant outstanding questions of the early presidential primary season, which has already seen announcements from 18 other Democrats. Biden, 76 years old, would be most experienced politician in the race and the second oldest after 77-year-old Bernie Sanders. His plans were confirmed by three people with knowledge of them, they were not authorized to discuss plans publicly and spoke to the Associated Press on the condition of anonymity. The announcement is expected as early as Wednesday and would cap months of deliberation over his political future. Already supportive donors have begun trying to raise money on his behalf. A number of us in San Francisco have begun organizing for Vice President Joe Biden as his nascent organization, as he provides, and his uh, nascent organization, excuse me, as he provides to make his announcement later this month, wrote California-based attorney Thomas McClerney this week in an email obtained by the Associated Press. He continued, if you are interested and able to get it on the ground floor, of his presidential campaign and help the vice president make a splash when he announces, please consider sending a check now made out to Biden for president. The specific launch date and location is unclear, but Biden is likely to soon start making visits to early voting states. One person said Biden's advisors are also considering an early event in Charlottesville, Virginia, at the site of the deadly clash between white supremacists and counter-protesters in 2017. The location would be intended to draw a contrast between Biden and President Donald Trump, who said there were some very fine people on both sides of the violent confrontation. Biden has been particularly outspoken against the rise of white supremacy in the Trump era. One of the most recognizable names in U.S. politics, Joe Biden served for two terms as Barack Obama's vice president, after nearly four decades as a senator from Delaware, his high-profile working-class background and connection to the Obama years would help him enter the race as a frontrunner. Though he faces questions about his age and whether, he, whether his more moderate record fits with a party that has become more liberal, with a record in elected office that stretches half a century, Biden faces multiple challenges.
Last month, he struggled to respond to a complaint from Lucy Flores, a 2014 lieutenant governor nominee in Nevada, that he made her uncomfortable by touching her shoulders and kissing the back of her head before a campaign event. Few other women have made similar claims, though none has alleged sexual misconduct. So let's listen to what President Donald Trump has to say on the whole thing. I wish him luck. I do wish him luck. Come on out of the videos we're talking about how he's ways of interacting. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Should he apologize for his conduct? No, he's going to make his own decisions. He's very capable of making a decision, I assume. Thank you very much, everybody. So that was uh, U.S. President Donald Trump um, in a statement uh, just simply stating that he wishes uh, former Vice President Joe Biden luck in his uh, political campaign, uh, smiling and um, nodding at the reporter's questions. And the article goes on to read... The incident is just a taste of the harsh vetting from both Democrats and Republicans expected for Biden, who has run for president twice before, but never from such a strong starting point. His first White House bid in 1988 ended after a plagiarism scandal, and in recent weeks he was uh, repeatedly forced to explain his 1991 decision as Senate Judiciary committee chairman to allow Anita Hill to face questions about her allegations of sexual harassment against Clarence Thomas, then a nominee for the Supreme Court. Biden has since apologized for his role in the hearing, but in the Me Too era, it's another example of why critics believe that he may struggle to catch on with the Democratic primacy, Democratic primacy voters of 2020. On paper, however, he may be well positioned to take on Trump in a general election. The Republican president's allies have privately warned that Biden might be the biggest threat to Trump's re-election, given, Biden, given Biden's uh, potential appeal among the white working class in the Midwest. The same region that helped Trump win the presidency. In other news today, Halifax Council has passed a budget that approves the purchase of armored police vehicles. This article is courtesy of Alexander Kwan, an online producer slash reporter from Global News, and the article reads as followed. Halifax has a budget for the upcoming year, after the majority of the municipality's council voted in favor for the proposed budget on Tuesday. The budget will see $955.7 million in expenditures with $162 million going to the province of Nova Scotia as part of a mandatory expenditure covering education and other services. The municipality has budgeted $793.7 million in municipal expenses, including $19.4 million for the Cogswell Redevelopment Project, $15.7 million for the new Halifax transit buses, $10.6 million for new transit technology, and $10 million for the Spring Garden Road streetscaping project. Council have also agreed to a budget including $8.4 million for the new Street Andrews Community Centre and $5.3 million for renovations at the Scotiabank Centre. But by far, the most controversial was a $500,000 budget line that is designated for Halifax Regional Police to purchase an armored rescue vehicle. This comes on the report of a heels that detailed how Nova Scotians of color in Halifax were street checked at a rate six times higher than white people in the city, and critics of the vehicle expressed concern that it may make the police service seem militaristic, especially to minority groups in the city. Sean Cleary, councillor for Halifax, West Armdale, introduced the amendment to strip the item from the budget. Only councillors Lindell Smith, Matt Whiteman, Sam Austin, Tony Massini, and Cleary voted in favour of this motion. 
Halifax Police will now be in the market for something similar to what Fredericton Police unveiled in 2018. Police stressed that an ARV would not be equipped with weaponry or aggressive equipment. The vehicle is expected to cost between $350,000 and $500,000. Council decided last month to increase the municipality's average tax bill by 2.3% or $43. So, ladies and gentlemen, in this section of the show... Um, which I like to call YouTube news. We're going to be scrolling through the beautiful world of YouTube, looking for some amazing stories and trying to learn something new. Well, folks, I was uh, poking through YouTube and I thought that since we started the show kind of um, talking about the Mueller report, um, that we would listen to a bit of a clip from Vice News. Uh, they posted it 11 hours ago, and the clip is entitled Everything You Need to Know About the Mueller Report. So, uh, guys, let's take, a listen to the, let's take a listen to that. Again, that's from uh, Vice News, and it's on their YouTube channel if you guys want to go and check it out. It just got posted about 11 hours ago. So let's take a listen. No collusion, no obstruction. There is no evidence of the Trump campaign collusion with the Russian government's hacking. The special... Nope, 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 stop. Today is a legendary day for Spen. Everyone with a stake in the Russia investigation is out there trying to shape how you process what's in the Mueller report. But we're going to do something different. We're going to try to ignore the spin and the bluster and forget about all the preconceptions that brought us to today. Instead, now that this massively significant document is actually in our hands, we're going to look at what it says. Warning, get comfortable. For starters, the report confirms something incredibly important and troubling. The thing we always forget to talk about, which is just how insidious and well-organized the Russians were in screwing with the 2016 election. The Mueller report makes it clear that this effort was designed to benefit Donald Trump and harm Hillary Clinton through Russian social media campaigns and a hacking campaign that stole documents. The report then examines the first of two foundational questions. Did the Trump campaign help that Russian effort? Now, everyone's been talking about this as collusion, but since collusion isn't a crime, legally speaking, it's better to think about this as possible conspiracy. Going into today, we knew the names of a lot of players in the Trump campaign orbit. Some big fish, some really small fish, who appear to have had all kinds of weird contacts with the Russians. There's George Papadopoulos and his meetings with a mysterious foreign professor. There's Carter Page, who's out there trying to broker a meeting between Trump and Putin in Moscow. There's Paul Manafort, who gives internal polling data to a Russian contact. And you've got Roger Stone and Jerome Corsi making suspiciously accurate predictions about when WikiLeaks would be dumping what. Then, of course, there's that Trump Tower meeting, where Russians were supposed to give Donald Trump Jr. damaging information about Clinton that was advertised as being part of the Russian government's effort to help his dad. The question was, could all of this stuff have been happening on its own without an orchestrated effort by the Trump campaign to coordinate with Russians? Could there be this much smoke without actual fire? What Mueller says is, yeah. There was lots of dubious behavior by people affiliated with Trump, but it didn't add up to conspiring with the Russian government. Even the Trump Tower meeting, which seemed to Mueller watchers to be the closest thing there was to a smoking gun, turned out to have been what the Trump team said it was. Once they finally came clean about it, a bust. Mueller does say that the Trump campaign knew about the Russian efforts to release stolen documents and that they were happy about it. And many of the small time guys in Trump's orbit did want to connect with Russia for this or that. And there's some sketchiness here with missing or redacted evidence, deleted or encrypted texts, and uncooperative witnesses. All that said, a top-down conspiracy just didn't happen. But the fact that his campaign wasn't in cahoots with the Kremlin wasn't enough to protect Trump from his own worst impulses. Even the suggestion that Russia helped Trump win was enough to set the new president on a mission to stop law enforcement from asking questions about it. But does that mean he obstructed justice? Well, that's the second major question in the report, and Mueller pointedly declined to reach a conclusion. 
Now, there's been a lot of speculation about whether he held off on making that judgment because of a famous opinion by the Office of Legal Counsel that says a president can't actually be charged with a crime. In other words, why accuse the president of crime if you can't actually charge him with it? In the report, Mueller makes it clear that was in fact his thinking. He goes out of his way to say that even though he won't reach a conclusion on obstruction, he can't say the president didn't obstruct. And you can see why. There are 11 key issues and events Mueller's team investigated that raised questions about whether the president was trying to obstruct justice. No, we're not going to go into all of them, but a few key points. The Mueller team looked into the conduct involving former FBI Director James Comey, who was looking into former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, who'd had contacts with the Russian ambassador and may have promised to soften American sanctions against Russia. You'll remember Trump famously asked Comey to let go of the Flynn stuff because Flynn is a good guy. The report reminds us that there's substantial evidence that Comey was fired because he was unwilling to publicly state that Trump was not under investigation. The report says the president had a motive for wanting to put the FBI investigation behind him because a thorough examination could uncover things about the campaign and the president personally that might be considered crimes. The next sections deal with the president's efforts to remove the special counsel and impede that investigation, which started after Comey got the ax. Today's new fun fact, upon learning that a special counsel had been appointed, Trump quote slumped back in his chair and said, oh my God, this is terrible. This is the end of my presidency. I'm fucked. Trump later asked White House counsel Don McGahn to have the special counsel removed multiple times. There is so much more in the report about how he pressured then Attorney General Jeff Sessions to try to take control of the investigation again, and how one of the president's personal lawyers kind of threatened Flynn. Overall, what Mueller does is lay out the case against Trump, as well as the shortcomings of the evidence, in astonishing detail. I went through the report with Mary McCord, a law professor and former Justice Department official who actually makes a cameo in the report because she accompanied the acting AG to the White House to warn that Mike Flynn might have been compromised. Mueller sort of summarizes a lot of things but doesn't seem to analyze in depth. He doesn't quite connect the dots for you since he wasn't trying to make a charging decision. What, you know, what do you take from that approach? There's a couple of different ways he could have done this. If you go through the report, at, at the end of his discussion of each one of these you know, possible obstructive acts, he then goes through these three elements. What was the obstructive act? What would be evidence going to the ne nexus? And what would be evidence of the intent? And, and lays a lot of things out there and then just doesn't reach a conclusion. <coughs> he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to apply those prongs to each of these. He could have just put the evidence out there and let everything else. Someone else apply the prongs and figure yes. it all out. And again, he doesn't fully apply the prongs because he didn't reach the conclusions. And he does all those steps except that last one. It seems like he is laying the case out for Congress. Run with it or don't. I mean, whether that was in his intent or not, I'm not going to opine, but it is there. It is there for Congress to, you know, to read through and have a roadmap if that's where they choose to go. Sure. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Vice News Tonight on HBO, Tuesday through Friday at 7.30 p.m. You can hop on over to their YouTube channel to check them out. And um, my, my opinion on this, <clears throat> on this whole thing is, um, in, in, in my opinion, I think that uh, Donald Trump clearly understands that he's fucked. Um, he, he, he even, you know, said it. There's a quote from him saying, this is terrible. It's the end of my presidency. What am I going to do? I'm fucked. Right? Because, um, as they said, uh, Mueller in his report kind of just laid this out for Congress and said, you know what? Um, I don't even have to really say that he obstructed justice. The facts are there. Um, you can take them however you want to take them. Um, because it is quite obvious that Trump is obstructing justice at this point, and he has done it multiple times. And, you know, my opinion about Donald Trump is that, um, for one, he doesn't have the first clue about what he's doing, and I don't think that he belongs in office. I, I believe that, um, I, I, I don't think that Hillary Clinton should have won either, but if it were up to me, I would have, um, 
I'm a Canadian citizen, but uh, if I were an American citizen, I would have voted for Hillary Clinton. And um, the reasons for that would be that she has uh, previous experience in the White House as the First Lady under President Bill Clinton. Um, and I think that um, Donald Trump is basically just a pawn in somebody else's game. I don't think that he knows fully in depth about uh, what he's talking about. I find several um, concerning concerning facts in in Donald Trump's presidency. Um, I have found um, several concerning facts, like um, a few months ago, the uh, the uh, Guatemalan immigrants coming in trying to cross the border. Um, he was pepper spraying children. It was documented that he was pepper spraying children, and he just flat out denied it. Um, I think that Trump is quite a narcissist. I think that he's an egotist. And first and foremost, though, he is a businessman. He's very smart, and um, I don't think that people 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 assume just due to the fact that he doesn't understand the main thing about politics that he is unintelligent. He's not unintelligent. He's uh, He's a multi-billionaire, I believe, um, and, um, you know, he's got hotels, he has businesses, he has, you know, all these things that he's netted himself sort of an empire and just by, you know, making a deal. Um, so I think that, um, in conclusion, maybe Donald Trump tried to make uh, deals with the wrong people. Maybe he is in over his head with the Mueller report because I think that the facts are pretty black and white and I do agree with the statement made by uh, the congresswoman um, that, you know, it's uh, it's quite obvious that Mueller doesn't really lay out all the facts, he just leaves them there for somebody to find, almost. He kind of um, kind of cuts people's work out for them, and that's what I found in uh, in this report. It's a very interesting story by uh, Vice News. So yes, in uh, in my opinion, I believe that um, Trump should be impeached for obstruction of justice, and uh, yeah, that's that's just my opinion. Ladies and gentlemen, we have reached the midway point in our show, which is where I like to do a segment called Midway Motivation. That is where we play for you guys a motivational video just to maybe help you guys get through your day, to process some things in your life, and ultimately make you feel more motivated. Um, this video is from Ben Lionel Scott, and it is entitled, I Will Not Quit, Best Motivational Video, so I hope you folks enjoy. None of us ever get through this life without heartache, without turmoil. We're all going to fail at something. Everyone's failed at something. Life is a trial. And trials are never supposed to be easy. Life is hard. It's hard handling the tragedies of life. When you're working on something and, and you put everything you have in it, and it doesn't work out, you lose your money and other people's money. It's hard. It is okay to be scared. It is okay to cry. But giving up should not be an option. And it doesn't matter how you get knocked down in life. Because that's going to happen. All that matters is that you got to get up. Because when you fail, you get up, and then you fail, and then you get up, and that keeps you going. That's how humans are strong. Failure is an option, but giving up is not. Find a way. If you believe and you have faith, and you can get knocked down and get back up again, and you believe in perseverance as a great human quality, you find your way. You gotta have that resiliency over and over again. You gotta make a commitment to keep stepping up to the plate and swinging for the fences. Every day, whenever you do what you do, swing for the fences. Understand that when you swing for the fences, sometimes you'll miss. Did you know Hank Aaron had twice as many strikeouts as he had home runs? 
but he kept swinging for the fences. Most times he missed, but when he hit it, he knocked it out the park. When it's your shot to do what you do, keep swinging and keep striving. Change is gonna happen in your life. Setbacks gonna happen. But a setback is nothing but a setup for comeback. The champions, it's not the potential, it's not the genetics. It's their perseverance to always show up, always willing to fail, because in failure, that's part of success. Success is not a marathon of life and just ups. Success is formulated through failures, through facing your fears, through falling down and getting back up. That's what creates the champion. So, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed today's Midway Motivation. Um, this video can be downloaded at benlionelscott.com. If you want to keep this audio track, I know that oftentimes motivational videos have helped me quite a lot and um, they've helped me through a lot of struggles, fighting off a lot of personal demons and just getting through life because I know that uh, life is hard and life sucks sometimes and that's just the reality of it is that life isn't all roses and sunshine and great and you know butterflies and fantastic and sometimes it, it fucking sucks and um, I agree with that video I think you know sometimes you just gotta pick yourself up and keep going so yeah guys I hope you enjoyed this motivational video from Ben Lionel Scott so ladies and gentlemen for those of you who know me and know me well you will know that I am really into UFC and MMA and all things combat sports and um I came across this story just now um, on MMA News. It's from uh, Dan Eig, uh, his Twitter, Dan, Dynamite Dan 808 And um, somebody apparently stole his blood. I, I kind of paused and scratched my head. So um, his tweet goes on to read, uh, So pissed off, someone came over this morning. I thought it was U.S. anti-doping, USADA UFC. They took my blood and everything and come to find out that these people went to the wrong house and address and did not work for USADA, what the fuck. He goes on to say, I'm so mad and sure of this is my fault. When someone rings your doorbell six times at 6.30 a.m. saying they're here to take your blood, I was just cooperating, think it's USADA, now I probably have AIDS. So, Folks, I'm going to get my opinion on this in a minute, but uh, we want to hear from the man himself, Dan Eig, um, giving an opinion uh, for, uh, this is MMA on point, I believe, um, and he was interviewed about this, and let's, uh, let's just hear what he has to say. Let me just kind of take you from the beginning, so 6.30 a.m., Typical wake-up call from USADA. Uh, hear my, my doorbell ringing maybe six or eight times. I, I get up, get dressed, run to the door, open the door, and these people are just like, hey, we're here to take your blood. So I'm, I didn't think twice, like, oh, who are these? I'm just thinking USADA, okay, they're here to do their job, take my blood. So I let them in, and, um, you know, sometimes we do our paperwork before, sometimes we do it after, so... They just said, okay, are you ready to get blood? And I'm like, yeah. And uh, they took a good amount of blood. So the lady starts taking my blood. She took maybe three or four, like, pretty big vials. And um, I was like, hey, that's kind of a lot of blood for a, for a test, you know. They're like, oh, you know, this is for your labs. So I was thinking, like, for my labs, all right, um, well, are we going to do some paperwork? She's like, oh, no, no paperwork. It's, it's all digital. So I'm thinking, like, I'm still not really thinking, like, this Plus is it's early in the morning, too. Yeah. No, yeah, no, I, it's I don't super early. I had maybe one eye open, like. <laughs> oh my God. So, and the lady was really nice. Don't get me wrong. Like, she was a nice, born lady, um, just doing her job. And so we're, we're, we get to the paperwork part, and she's like, okay, last name. I say Ige, first name Dan. And she's like, oh, you're not John? And I'm like, John? No. I, I don't know who John is. <laughs> And um, oh. she's like, oh, this isn't one, 
Okay, I'm not going to give away my. Uh, yeah, obviously, yeah. I was, I was going to say I was going to stop you there for a second, but yeah, this isn't uh, you know one two three Brown Drive or something. Yeah. Yeah. So this isn't one two three Brown Drive, but if you follow, let's just say I live on Brown Drive. Yeah. If you follow Brown Drive around the corner, yeah. it turns at my house where I live. It turns into a different street. Right. And um, so I think she meant to go to one through one two three Apple Drive. Yeah. But she came to Brown Drive. And at that point, I was like, whoa, what the fuck are you doing oh, in my house? Fuck, I was pretty man. pissed off, but I didn't want to go off on her. Right. And uh, so I, I kindly told her, okay, you know, bye-bye. And I didn't even think about it, but she took my blood and everything. She still has it. Outside <laughs> she still has it. I actually, I just oh. went to the neighbor's house to see if uh, oh. no one answered. I knocked on the door because I want to try to find out, like, Oh, you your blood back, man. Oh, yeah, she stole his blood. This is. I don't want to get cloned or, you know, end up at a crime scene somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I'm the nuts, dude. Oh, man. Well, well, what do you even do at this point? Because, like, I mean, she obviously didn't do her job. Like, how does she not get ID first? That's the thing I don't get. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, and it was just like, I think this is just like a really, uh, like, weird situation. <laughs> like, she didn't do her job and, like, obviously a bad scenario with Ooh. you already getting tested by USADA. Yeah, so for me, it was like, no, I, I understand if I'm some random dude and someone comes up to take my blood, I'm not going to just let them come in my house. Right. But I'm subject to testing at all times. Yeah. So I did not think twice, and maybe I should have been like, can I see your credentials? But I'm just, I, I cooperate, you know, I, I'm, I'm always like, I don't like to give people a hard time. I just want them to get in and out, do their job, and, and leave. Um, especially at six in the morning. Right. So, yeah, I, I was pretty, pretty livid this morning. You know, I, I can't go back <laughs> and, uh, oh. you know, take my blood back, but I want to, I am trying to figure out who, who took my blood. <laughs> right. It's kind of crazy. You know, so there, there's people in need that could actually use my blood, but I just gave it away for nothing. So, I don't know. I was pretty mad. I want a t-shirt or something. I want to use saw the tea. I don't know. At least a cookie. They give you a cookie when you donate blood. I want a right? sticker. Yeah, I want a cookie. I don't know. A lollipop. I didn't get any of that. Man, how do you let somebody steal your blood? I know, like, I understand that those guys are subject to testing at all times, and he, he said he was tired. He just went along with it. But I I don't know. I'd never, I'd never be able to get to get used to that, just somebody just showing up saying, hey, we're, we're here to take your blood. Um, I would probably, like he said, I, I think he should have asked for maybe some credentials. I don't know if he's, uh, if he's going to get his blood back. I think I'm going to start a hashtag, find Dan's blood. I think that's, uh, that's, that's ridiculous, man. Like, why would you not check somebody's credentials if they're coming to your coming to your door to test blood? It could be anybody, man. That's that's a scary thought that there's a, a Dan Eig clone now somewhere walking the earth, fucking people up. So Anderson Silva was asked about a possibility of fighting for the belt. So let's take a listen to that. I mean, I think. You've accomplished so much and you're at a point in your career. You're, you talk about that, that at this point it's more about the challenge and doing something special. I think maybe the belt for some other people is more important than for you who have been at the top. So how does the title sit in your mind right now? Like, would you retire peacefully if you never get a chance to fight for the title again? Absolutely. I, I never put in something in my mind about, oh, I need to fight again for the belt and blah, blah, blah. No. Because... That's the, the part of my life I pass, you know? But I continue to fight. And I don't know, maybe I have the new opportunity for fight for the best. I don't know. Yes. But I'm not putting my all energy for all I need to back to fight for the title and blah, blah, blah. No, that's, that's the two points for me, you know? The first one. The first point is just continue fight, continue to do my heart for my sport. And the second one, maybe I have a chance or not for the fight for the belt again. Man, that's why I love Anderson Silva, because he's, uh, 
he's he's such a wholesome and honest and respectful guy that you know he when she asked him it was like well are you gonna fight for the belt and he's like yeah no I'm past that I'm not I'm not looking for glory for belts and for stuff like that so <clears throat> he's he's just trying to fight and you know enjoy his career and make things happen and you know that's why I love Anderson Silva I'm really happy that he's gonna keep fighting and he yeah I I, I would like to see him go for the belt, but you know, if that's not really on his, uh, if that's not really his mo, that's uh, that's completely okay because you know what he he said it as well as it could have been said. He said, you know what, that that time for me is has passed, and uh, it has. And he's basically just saying, you know what, I'm I'm the greatest of all time. Um, I do I really is it really necessary to have Anderson in in. Uh, in a title fight, in my opinion, no, it's not. He's he's won multiple UFC titles. He's proven time and time and time again that he can compete with the greats, that he's one of the greatest of all time. So, Anderson, keep doing what you're doing and keep fighting your fight. So, in other news, guys, uh, Polly Malinagi um, has basically ripped into Conor McGregor and Artem Lobov. So, let's hear a little bit more about that. For me, it's not only about winning and losing. I, I, know, I'm, I know I'm gonna win the fight. For me, it's making sure I can do enough damage to the guy to know he was in the ring with me, you know? Like, because, really, I mean, this is not a fight that we're, I'm risking getting getting defeated here, you know? Anybody with a brain in their head knows I'm, I'm not going to lose this fight. But but for me, it's it's not it's more about more than just winning it, because winning it is it too easy to win it. I, I need to do some serious damage to this guy to really make this worthwhile for me. What, what kind of damage would make it worthwhile? Damage. <laughs> a like, lot of damage. Knocking him out, knocking a tooth out. <laughs> A lot of damage. I'll get more into it at the press conference if we have an announcing press conference. He he needs to be damaged. But who do you think is better, um, him or Connor, in terms of striking and also who has more heart? I think Darden definitely has more heart. Uh, in terms of striking, uh, you know, listen, they, they both strike. I mean, you know, barehanded, I think everybody can be a striker. You know, I think we saw with... With uh, McGregor, he's not the puncher he thought he was once once he put gloves on him, you know. So, you know, I think barehanded, everybody's a, everybody's a good striker as long as you have some accuracy, you know. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't I don't really rate either of them very well in, in terms of a just striking battle, you know. But um, I, I'll definitely tell you, Artem has more heart. There's no way Conor would have would have stood in that kind of fight that Artem stood in uh, uh, against Jason Knight. If, if Conor found himself in a war like that, he'd be looking for the first exit out of there fast. What would it take for this beef between kind of like you and Connor to finally settle? Because I know you're fighting Artem, but I mean, it all does stem from Connor. You know, I would have just fought Connor um, and settled it that way. But now, once I put his boy in a coma, he's going to want to fight me. And oh, so he's going wow, to have to go through my terms. And it's not just going to be a fight. First and foremost, the first set of terms we're going to have to have is the full 12-round sparring will be released before me and Connor ever fight. If, if the full 12-round sparring tape is never released, me and Connor have no, uh, there will be not even a conversation started about fighting. Because once I put his boy in a coma, he's going to want to fight me. Because he's going mean, to, if he's any kind of man, he would. So, so once I do that, in June, um, wow. I think that uh, um, he will want to fight me. But um, the conversation doesn't even get initiated unless 12 rounds of sparring, unedited, the way it actually happened, comes out. And if it doesn't, and Connor doesn't even start the conversation. Do you think he will return to the UFC this year? Um, I don't know. You know, it's it's up to him, really. You know, um, you know, he he's he's a great punching bag. I tell you, he's a great pinata. So I mean, whoever he come returns for, it'll be a, it'll be a fun night for that person. You know, um, but I don't know. You know, it is. He's he's the epitome of a pinata. You know, you beat on him and he gives a great reward. Like you know, your pinata gets your reward. He, he brings a lot of money to the table, and all he does is get his ass whooped. He takes a good beating. He doesn't take a good beating because he, he gets himself out of the fight pretty easily. But but he's he's a perfect pinata. You know what I'm saying? Like his boy's a punching bag with legs. Um, uh, Mobile. You are a fighter. Or wow. Um. So there's a lot to take in in that statement. First of all, um, I agree with Polly. Uh, because for anybody who's ever watched the sparring tape between Connor and Polly, Polly got knocked the fuck out, like put to sleep. It's been documented. He can say, oh, he could post the 12 round sparring video and unedit it and this and that and the other. And I think those are some very serious threats uh, to be making to Connor McGregor and Artem Lobov because, uh, you know, basically was. He's he's basically gone on to say that he doesn't really care about Artem Lobov, which is which is one thing. Um, he's he's basically saying, well, when I put your boy in a coma, 
you're gonna have to fight me, which is which is kind of saying like, well, you know what? I'm just fighting him to get to you. So I think that he might underestimate Artem, and I think that Artem might kill him. Um, in the famous words of Dana White, um, I think that if Polly Molinagi and Artem Lobov got into the octagon or even into a boxing ring, that Polly would get murdered. I think that he's a loudmouth, brash talker. Um, you know, um, the difference between Polly and Connor is that Connor can back it up and he backs up what he says. I mean, like people say, whoa, yeah, he, he lost the Floyd Mayweather fight, but yeah, he went 12 rounds with Floyd Mayweather. Or he went 10 rounds with Floyd Mayweather, rather, sorry, um, of a 12 round fight. So he held his own in there. And do I think that it was an early stoppage in the Mayweather fight? Absolutely. Um, I think that Connor had more in him. But um, I think, yeah, like if, if, uh, if Connor were to fight Polly, he would just absolutely obliterate him. And I think that if Artem were to fight Polly, he would just destroy him. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, um, we've reached a point in the show where I want to showcase an artist to you. Maybe a little lesser known than some other artists, but still extremely talented. And, ladies and gentlemen, this artist goes by the name Cloves, and this is her single Don't Forget About Me from the movie Me Before You. So I hope you guys enjoy this track. Forget about me 
Ladies and gentlemen, I, uh, I apologize for the for the end of that song. Um, we are not stuffing a chicken, although you may be, because um, it is Good Friday, um, the lead up to Easter weekend. Um, so you might be gathered around with your family, stuffing a chicken full of lemon and tarragon and all that wonderful stuff. But um, guys, we are reaching the end point in our show. We have about. Uh, nine minutes left to go here so I thought that um, as usual we would end the show on a bit of a high note um, because we've talked about some heavy stuff today we've talked about EFC fighters blood getting stolen we've talked about the Mueller report we've talked about Trump getting impeached we've talked about a whole bunch of stuff so I thought that we would end it off with a bit of a laugh so uh, ladies and gentlemen we have reached um, the end segment of our show I thought that we would um, take this opportunity to kind of uh, end on a high note and end with a laugh so we're going to be showcasing a comedian that we've showcased on the show before and um, his name is Paul Smith he's a Liverpool comedian based out of the Hot Water Comedy Club in Liverpool established in 2010 so this skit is called Liverpool Fake Taxi, so I hope you guys enjoy. And I went out with all the boys and that. And the thing with me is, like, I'm, I'm known for this. I'll have a few drinks, I'll, I'll, I'll be halfway through the pint, and I'm just having a normal conversation. I'll have one more sip, and I'll be like, I'm going home. And I'll just fucking walk out the pub, and they'll be like, where the fuck is he gone for the smoke or something? He doesn't even smoke. Uh, he's just gone home. He's gone to get pizza, and he's gone home, and I'll buy all the food in the world, and I'll fuck off home. And that's what I did. And I, was, I went to get all the food, and I'm a greedy bastard when I'm pissed, right? I'll get, I'm, I'm so greedy that I'll buy like a pizza, a burger, I'll buy chips, because I need chips to eat the pizza with. And then I'll buy decoy chips, because I know walking for the taxi, some bastard will be like, some like fit girl all the time. It's always a fit girl on Harvard Street, because it gives a chip, and I'll always give her one, thinking she might give me a blowjob. <laughs> And she never does, ever! And I'm like, bastard, she's had me chips, fuck! <laughs> to go and buy more chips now. So I was buy decoy chips, I did that, but I was walking back, I, I it's been that long since I've been out, I was trying to get an Uber, right? I, I, I downloaded the Uber app because I wanted to try it out, and I was dead excited about it, because I like to time my food. So, I, 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 with the app, I was fucking, I was, I, you've never seen someone, so, it was like the first time a kid got a Game Boy, do you know what I mean? I was watching the little cars on the app going, oh, he's coming, he's coming. And you can see his little face and that, his name is Alambu, right? This guy, and he just had the big smile on his face, right? And he's just going, I'm like, I'm going to have a little bit of banter with Alambu here, he's fucking, he looks sad. I might even give him a slice of pizza, he looks like a sad fella, him. Right, and I saw him coming, right? I'm waiting by the Bombdow Church, I saw him coming down the, saw him coming down the road, and I'm like, and then he just turned and fucked off. And I had my pizza, and I was like, shit, this is going to go cold now. Because the weird thing about me is I need to eat it when I get in the house, or I'll have to buy more food when I get back in, because I'm a fucking weirdo, right? So, like, I start marching for the taxi. I'm gutted about this. I'm, like, marching down. I'm back right down live street. Couldn't get one anyway, and I knew I wasn't going to get one, because there was, like, loads of people in front of me, you know, little clusters of people also look like trying to flag every single taxi that comes past, even though it's got no lights on and that. So like I got right to the bottom of like and like a lamp seat and that and you know you don't, like you're in a fucking you, you everyone knows you're in this race but you don't no one speaks about it I got past a few people I got past this old couple because they were slow as fuck <laughs> they're probably still on London Road now um, 
but I turned, I, I got to the front of the queue and I was like, yes, next taxi's mine. Turned onto London Road, fucking loads more people. I was like gutted. Right then, I swear, this guy just pulls up in a grey Peugeot, right? No, 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 like stickers on it or nothing, right? Just pulls up, rolls his window, going, hey mate, you looking for a taxi, right? And I, yeah, why? <laughs> and he went, go ahead then, get in. I went, and my normal, I mean, reaction to that should have been, no. <laughs> but it wasn't my pissed brain, my, my immediate reaction to this was, are you a murderer? <laughs> right? And without missing a beat, he went, no, are you? <laughs> No! And he went, go ahead then, get in! And I, I fucking did! I just got in a taxi, right? I just got in a taxi and then I sat in the back of the taxi, put my seatbelt on and I thought, oh! That's what a murderer would say! Isn't it? Like if you were a murderer and someone went to you, hey, are you gonna murder me? You go, no. So then I'm sat there, convinced he was going to kill me. He had no fucking top on, right? No top on. <laughs> he had shorts on and flip-flops. That's all he was wearing, right? And he had, like, like tattoo sleeves all down him. And he's just sat there, like, in his fucking taxi seat, no seatbelt on, and I'm just, like, fucking... And I was like, all right, he went, where'd he go? And told him. And he was just... He just starts driving in totally the opposite direction. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting murdered by this fella. <laughs> and I'm not much of a shit house. I wouldn't even say to him, like, oh, fucking... Nah, and I'm not comfortable with this. Let me out of your taxi. I was just, like, convinced he was going to kill me and I thought, fuck it, I'm just going to have to wait to die, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the only, like, line of defence I could think of was just to make a little bit of small talk with him. Use a bit of banter to try and, like, just, like, if he was going to kill me, he'd at least do it quickly and wouldn't, like, rape me first or not. <laughs> so I started, like, going, hey, what, what's your name? He went, Lee, what's your name? I went, hi, you're in Paul. And he went, hi, you mate. You know, I went, you haven't you just, like, have you been busy? And that standard taxi joke. Uh, and he went, uh, no, 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 you know. I went, what, you just like, are you like a taxi? He went, no, no. And I was like, <laughs> I said, I said, do you just pick, do you just pick people up? Like, is, 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 like, is this your job then? And he went, no, this isn't my job. And I was thinking, please fucking, don't let it be a hobby. <laughs> That's worse, it is. <laughs> And I was like, what did he went, nah, no, you gotta be careful who you pick up, lad, because there's loads of fucking grasses about, you know what I mean? And he went, you didn't look like a grass. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right there, mate, because nobody's ever gonna see me again, are they? Um, <laughs> so I'll be honest. But I got chatting to him, right? And he went, no, I want to just, like, do you make good money doing this? He went, no, I'll just do this for a bit of extra money, do you know what I mean, on, on the weekends and that. He went, I sell beak through the week. <laughs> If you don't know, I'll translate. Beak is cocaine, right? That's Scouse colloquialism for cocaine. So he sells cocaine through the week, right? And t picks random people up on the weekend, right? And upon telling me this, he goes, yeah, do you want a line? Whilst he's driving, just, take, just takes control of the steering wheel with his knees and starts bumping me a line out on his thumb. Turns around at 40 miles an hour and just goes, go ahead, have a line, lad. And I'm like, nah, you're all right, you know. I, I, I'm not really into it. Like, you're all right, you know. You know, he signed and he was going, go ahead, I'm not going to charge you for it. And I was like, you probably fucking should, Lee. Like, you're a cocaine dealer. If you, if you started charging people for your lines, maybe you wouldn't have to pick random people up on the weekends. That's a fucking terrible business model you've got there, Lee. So he's driving me on, and I was like, at this point, I'm, I'm still convinced I'm gonna die, right? And I had nothing left, I had no small talk left. I was like, he's still not taking me the right way. I'm like, oh my God, he's just chatting at his roadworks. I was like, there's not, there's not, I know there's not. And he's just, he's still gone, I'm thinking, fucking hell. My only act of defiance, I couldn't muster the courage to just jump out the car and tuck and roll. <laughs> My only act of defiance I could muster, the only act of bravery I could like come up with was the fourth I sat there and I still had my pizza and I thought, fuck him. If he kills me, he's not getting this pizza. <laughs> and I started smashing this 12 inch pizza into my face just as fast as it goes. And now he's looking at me going, fucking hell, he's a bit mad, him. <laughs> he's probably thinking he's gonna eat me like that pizza. He's like, he should have a line and calm down him. 
It was fucking mad and we, I was like this weird and then he just took me home, right? And I know that's a weird end to the story, I know that's an anticlimactic end to the story, right? But he just took me home, right? All the way home, normally cost me 15 quid, cost me 7 quid and I'm only telling you that because I realise a lot of you are drinking tonight, you might go out after this, have a pint. And if someone pulls up in a grey car called Lee with no top on... <laughs> and ask you to get in his car, you probably, your instinct's gonna be to say no, but do we only charge you half the price? <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, it looks like we have reached the end of our show. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to my podcast. I know I enjoyed making it, and I hope that you guys have a wonderful Good Friday and a wonderful Easter weekend, and I will talk to you guys all in the next episode tomorrow. Bye, guys.